Heavenly Father, you know that uh, normally our thoughts are in all sorts of different directions. But today our thoughts all go in one direction, governed by one piece of news. And we pray that you will help us to think through what has happened over the past few days in the light of your unchanging word. Amen. So, this has been a major moment, hasn't it, for us? It may not be the kind of day on which history turns, but it's certainly a day that history will mark. Our longest-serving monarch has died. For many of us here today, myself included, I, we can't remember anybody else. There'll be some of us who will remember the coronation. Some of us are new to the UK, for whom this is still something that's happening in a new and different way. If you'd spoken to me last Sunday, without this news hanging over us, I would have told you about having heard about one of our longest-serving members, Molly Nichols, who had died. I'd also have told you about meeting somebody for whom it was his first Sunday in the UK, and he was an asylum seeker. That's a snapshot of the UK, that's a snapshot of St. James, that's a snapshot of the reality as we gather together today. And even if being in the UK is new, it is still the death of somebody who's become one of the most famous people of the last half century. I'm not going to add to all the words about the Queen. I never met her. I've got no personal anecdotes about her. I once waved at her through a car window. That's the limit of it. But I guess for most of us, there's a sense of something shifting. As somebody put on a, a website, I saw this uh, last couple of days, what else has remained the same in Britain between 1952 and 2022? What else has remained the same? And so it has provoked, and it will provoke, a mood of national reflection and self-evaluation. One of the motifs that seems to be coming through is the Queen's sense of service and duty. And two different things have been said. One is, and I think the, the news has reported this frequently, is the Queen's personal Christian faith. That as the origin of her sense of service and duty. The other thing that people have said, but not in her own words, is that she was stoical. Now, those can't both be true. Stoicism is a philosophical movement marked by accepting whatever comes. Stiff upper lippish kind of thing, but you can't change circumstances. Whatever comes, you just take it and plow on through. Christians see the world as under, under the hand of a good, guiding, sovereign Lord who works everything out according to his great plan and his greatest plan is to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus. You can't be a Christian and a Stoic. You can't just bluntly accept whatever an impersonal universe has to offer and at the same time 
Think about a loving, creating, saving God. Stoics don't pray. Christians do. And we know from what the Queen said that she did. She was a Christian in the most straightforward sense of that. One of the photographs that never fails to move me is her chatting happily with Billy Graham. That's what she understood a Christian to be. Someone who'd come to know the Lord Jesus through that kind of ministry. And she explicitly focused increasingly as the years went by, it seems to me, on her Christian faith. This is what she said recently in a Christmas broadcast. Although we're capable of great acts of kindness, history teaches us that we sometimes need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness or our greed. God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a saviour with the power to forgive. And that would be the origin of why she signed herself on her letter to us, at the Jubilee, your servant. For most of us, the Queen's been a constant. For the Queen, it was the Lord Jesus that was the constant. And for Christians, he still is, which is why I've chosen Psalm 96 this morning as a little bit of a reflection for us. Because in answer to the question, what else has remained the same between 1952 and 2022? is the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you've closed it, flip open Psalm 96, right about the middle of your Bibles or on your phones. It's on page uh, 602 of the Red Bibles, but you can find it in the app of your choice. A few moments to think about what today is marked by, if you go by the news headlines, and what today is also marked by if you go by Psalm 96. So, if you browse a website, pick up the news, you will think that today is marked by change. We began the week with Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of Her Majesty's Government. We end the week with Liz Truss as the Prime Minister of His Majesty's Government. A week is, as they say, a long time in politics. But... While that might be what today is marked by, here is also what it is marked by. Psalm 96, verse 10. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. God is on the throne. And he is no puppet king. He is active. He rules the nations. And this is global. In fact, Let's try and get this inside our heads. This is a psalm that was written for God's people, focused in Jerusalem, the Jews. And yet, and yet, and yet, it's got a worldwide perspective, hasn't it? Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. There they sit in the temple in Jerusalem saying, one day they will say this in Muswell Hill. The Lord reigns. One day they will say this in Westminster and Edinburgh and Cardiff. In all the Commonwealth countries, the Lord reigns. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. 
Today is marked by change, but also wonderfully by God being on the throne. Today is marked by uncertainty. What happens next? What is the plan? Mark and I had a, had a file on our hard drive that was called uh, London Bridge. That was the formal designation of the plans we were supposed to put in place on the death of the sovereign. We couldn't call it what happens when the queen dies because that's treason, technically. So they all have to, that's why you've, you've heard of Operation Unicorn and things like that. No one's allowed to talk about the thing. So it's all given code names. So we, we, had, we had London Bridge. What happens next? And there have been changes, as you've seen. Is the queen going to come down by train or is she going to be flown? What happens next? Contrast that with Psalm 96. Look with me at verse 5. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. He's in charge. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are on his sanctuary. You know, as I look around over the past few days, you can see a nation struggle to come to terms with language to think about and to process what's gone on. What do we make of rainbows appearing over Buckingham Palace and Windsor Castle? A cloud that can be made to look like the Queen wearing a hat. What do we make of that? Signs in the skies. Is the best we can do a cartoon of Paddington taking the Queen's hand and saying it's time to sit down now? Is that the best we can do? The Queen was a robust believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the hope where she set her faith. We can do better. Today's marked by questions. What will a new king be like? What kind of king will he be? No questions over God. Look with me at verse 18. I don't mean verse 18. I mean verse 13. God will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Faithfulness means he never changes. He makes and keeps promises, every single one of them. Righteousness means that his truth and his values are always good. He knows what is right, he knows what is wrong, and he will stand by them. That is the king who rules the world. And that is true not just of a nation in a time of trans transition like ours. That will also be true, however difficult we might find it, of what happens in Pakistan what happens in the Ukraine? God is righteous and faithful. Today is marked by tradition. There's all sorts of um, pomp and circumstance going around, and you will have seen the comment that uh, some of it is not quite as old as it pretends to be. There actually is, though, a deep sense of I, I, I have a small prize which I will offer to anybody who can tell me the name of the first king of England. Anyone dare to have a go? 
It was Athelstan. Prize to the, who, who, said, who said Athelstan? Well done. There we go. Oh, it's Chris at the back. Um, it was indeed Athelstan. And we know that Athelstan was a Christian. Before that, Alfred the Great, you know the one who burnt the cakes? You learned that, yeah? Real person, real guy, real Bible reader. You can go and see his Bible that he used. And yeah, there's a strong, long sense of this being a country where Christianity is at the heart of what our leaders believe. And they all know, they all know, verse 6, that splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. And the sense of a country's leadership being under the leadership of the king, that the most splendid and glorious thing we could do is but a pale echo of the glory and the splendor and the power and the majesty of God in the heavenly places. Today is marked by the record of a reign. What's happened over the past 70 years? What were the key turning points? What were the key events? What's going to happen next? What will go on the blank pages for King Charles? But for Christians, God's record is clear. Look with me at verse 2. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. There is a public record of what God has done, focused in and principally focused in the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a publicly observable series of events which have a meaning, and that meaning has not changed over the past 2,000 years. What's the record of God's reign? One where he has acted and planned to save people, which the queen herself knew. What does the future hold? Next 50, next 100 years, nationally, globally, internationally? Verse 11. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth, all of it, be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice. It's going to be good, the future. Why? Rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. That is, we know he will come to put things right. We know the standards by which he will rule will be good and truthful. And not just for a few people. He will judge the world and he will judge the peoples. So there we go. Today is marked by change and uncertainty and questions and tradition and wonders about what the future holds. But it is also wonderfully marked by God on the throne, which is solidly true. A God of righteousness and faithfulness and splendor and majesty, 
who has acted to save his people and who has a plan to bless all creation and all humanity. We've already given thanks for the Queen and prayed for the King. Here is a prayer that we pray very rarely from our Church of England prayer book. A prayer for use of the accession of a king. O God, who providest for thy people by thy power and rulest over them in love, vouchsafe so to bless thy servant, our king, that under him this nation may be wisely governed and thy church may serve thee in all godly quietness. And grant that he, being devoted to thee with his whole heart and persevering in good works unto the end, may by thy guidance come to thine everlasting kingdom through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen.